Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue through the Beatitudes. We'll read all the way through this little section here, even though we're only focusing on a small part of it. It says, now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside. He sat down, his disciples came to him and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who and what you are, the things that you do and the ways that you work. Father, we pray that your words are spoken to your children and not mine. We pray that you are honored and glorified to the highest because that's where you deserve to be. Father, we pray for all distractions, internal and external, to be removed from us. Father, we pray that you open us to whatever is of you and close us to whatever is not of you. We thank you for all that you do, for all that you've done, and all that you're going to be doing. We thank you for your love and your mercy. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If I start yelling, it's I can't hear in this ear right now. Right? It's crazy. I went to the doctor, had some earwax flushed out, and now I can't hear. Right? It's, it's just weird. I'm supposed to be able to hear after that, but I can't, really, I can't hear. So if you're not, if you talk to me and I don't acknowledge you, it's because you're talking to my bad side. I've got to talk to my good side right now, okay? Um, but here we are again, playing with meekness today, playing with hunger and thirsting. Um, but I want, I want to remind us that, I want to challenge us to hold up that mirror. Right, the mirror that I want us to look in, to see where we are in these beatitudes, right? It's funny, remember, if you guys remember last week, I talked about this being like a menu, right? And, and picking the ones that I liked. Well, I have a, a little mark over here at Pure at Heart because I want to see God, right? That was the one that I, I noted, like, this is the one I want. Forget the rest. That's the one I wanted. And so if you thought this was like a menu, it's not, Okay? But they compound on one another. And so I want to remind us of where we were last week, right? And we talked about this poverty of spirit. What does it look like to be poor in spirit? And, and I asked the question, like, do we ever look at God and say, God, you know, you're lucky I'm on your team because there's a lot of other people out there that would love to have me working for them. Right? 
like the Pharisee and the Pharisee and tax collector. And we go before the throne of God and say, God, I'm not like these other sinners. I'm different. I tithe. I go to church on Sunday. I don't cuss. My kids are well behaved. I'm not like them. Or can we stand before the throne of God like the the tax collector? Then I don't know if there's this embarrassment of, of really looking at brokenness. And maybe that was why God had put on my heart about this whole hugging thing, right? Because can we acknowledge when we look in the mirror just how broken we really are as people? Like how much sin really reigns in my world? Somebody had told me, if you're really paying attention, you might catch 20% of the sins you actually commit on a daily basis. I was like, seriously? He's like, yeah, that's how much you sin. That's paying attention. But are the things that I say that hurt people's feelings, that upset them, are the things that I do that I know God wouldn't be pleased with? Are there things that I'm, I'm entertaining or watching or listening to? Right, that brings dishonor to God and, and what He's given me in my life. Is there, you know, places that I go or things that I buy? Right, how much of me is fully entrenched in who God is and what He does? Can people see God in, in the way that I live? Do we acknowledge Him in everything that we do prior to doing it? You know, it was funny, I was having a conversation with another pastor, and, and I told you guys, man, I don't, I don't have this figured out, either. Like, I'm broken too. And as I was working through some of these things, even after I had already preached about it, I said, you know what, the crazy thing is, is that I, there's such a lack of poverty of spirit in my own life, I said, I don't even pray about getting ready for a sermon until Thursday. But I'm studying Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But I'm not even in prayer about it, about what to bring to you guys, what to say until Thursday. Like, you guys are like, hold on a second. Half of what you came ready to tell us is probably garbage then. But how many of us do the same thing? God is not even anywhere in the, the, in the, in the solution of what's getting ready to happen. Morning, right? It's oh. God, God be working sometimes, right? So, and that's why I say hold up the mirror. Poor in spirit is my nature. Is my nature poor in spirit? Mourning. Emotion. Do I mourn at my sin, right? I was talking with some people after the service the other day, and I said, you know what? Do you teach your kids that you get forgiveness when, you, when they're not sorry for what they do? Like if they hurt people's feelings, they're like, oh, that's cool, whatever. You're like, you're not sorry for making that little kid cry right now? Like, right? We teach our kids that you need to be sorry for the, the bad that we do, right? And so when I ask the question, like, have we ever mourned over our sin? How can we ever ask God to forgive us for something we're not sorry for? Let's think about sin like that. Am I even sorry for the sins that I commit? Am I sorry for disrespecting and hurting people's feelings and just tearing them down and attacking and and just being wretched? 
or thinking I'm better than and, and higher than. And, and Am I ever sorry for those things? Or do I feel like that's my place? I am better. Because I don't cuss. Because I go to church on Sunday. I fall victim to that. That's why I'm saying I fall victim to that stuff too. Can we hold the mirror up and ask these questions? Because they, they compound on top of each other, right? The poor in spirit. I can't have a mourning spirit if I don't know how to be poor in spirit. Because I'm never sorry for nothing then. Because I always think God, God's lucky I'm here. So why do I need to be sorry? My emotion. Can I mourn? Meekness. It's my attitude. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness. I don't know what we think about that. But it's crazy the way God is saying who's blessed here, right? Because I don't know if you guys ever think like my kids do. And it's crazy when I have like my kids will see somebody with the new PS4, right? Or the new VR stuff. And they're like, oh, lucky. I'm like, lucky? Why are they lucky? Because they have, they have that. Oh, so the PS3 that you got last week isn't good enough no more? Well, that's the new one. Oh. So it's not good enough no more. You want more. You need more. You need better. Well, yeah. All right. Well, let me just take the PS3 back. I bought it from Costco. I could take it back at any time. Great return policy. But meekness has this attitude of silent strength. Like, I know there's something that I could do different, but I don't. There's this attitude. Like, look at Jesus, right? Jesus could probably snap his fingers and change everything. He really could. When he's out there in the desert with Satan, and Satan's like, won't you call on thousands of angels? Won't you jump off this... This building right here and call on thousands of angels to come save you. She's like, for what? He could. I mean, we hear in scripture, he hears your thoughts, right? He hears their thoughts. He knows their heart. He's not guessing. But he hears. He 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 knows. And then whenever I'm talking about some of these things with people, they always go, yeah, but that was Jesus. It's not me. And so I, I want to ask, it's like, what, what Jesus are we looking at? Because if we're looking at the all-powerful Jesus, then yes, this meekness really applies here because... When he's getting whooped, right? We talked about that whole passion movie and he's getting whooped. Do you really think that he had to get whooped right there? Or could he have done something about that? Could he have changed his situation and his circumstance at that moment? 
Or was he not powerful enough to do that? Right? This is what I'm talking about, like this silent strength. Like he endures, he humbles himself, he, he gentle, he's uh, lowering himself at this moment when he probably didn't have to. Could have gave out, if I could whistle, I'd do it. One of them big old whistles and all of a sudden clouds would have opened and angels would have flown down and saved them. Pretty sure. At least that's the way I think about Jesus. I hope your Jesus is a strong Jesus too. But he doesn't. Instead, he endures. He takes it. Like here in this meekness, right? There's this calming sense about you. It's an attitude. Do people feel welcomed around you no matter where they come from? Do people feel a peace coming from you no matter where they come from? Whether they're the high almighties and the lowly lows. Do people feel like you appreciate them. Somebody asked me if, if, I, if I miss a, a church that I used to work at. And I said, you know, it's, no, I don't miss the church. Because when I look at church, I think of like this building. What I miss are people. What I miss are relationships. What I miss are the faces and the conversations that I used to have with some of those people. And the stories and the struggles that we would share with one another. That's what I miss. You miss those too. For other people, we just can't wait to get away from. Are we gentle? Can I read people? Why does this matter? Because I hope somebody who does it with me too. I hope you're gentle with me. Because I do a lot of crazy stuff. I do. I push the envelope. I'm wearing a t-shirt to preach. I preached in my Giants jersey one day. Church was tripping on me. Oh my goodness, what you wearing a jersey for, pastor? Pastor? Because I want you to see my heart. Not worry about what I wear. Right? Can gentleness go both directions? Just like that acknowledgement of your brokenness, can it go both directions? When I mess up, can you acknowledge that I'm a sinner too? Or am I a professional? I'm supposed to be well behaved all the time. That's why I said the comments that I said about it being Pastor Appreciation Month. We might not always like our pastor, but he's human too. Just like us. That's why I said, can we hold up that mirror? Can we hold it up and look? I'm not telling you that you're terrible. I'm asking you to look in it for yourself. And what do you see? Can we follow the example of Christ? The woman gets brought to him 
caught in adultery, which is funny, right? Because they only bring the woman. What about the dude? It's a two-part thing. But they only bring the woman. She's probably naked. That's the way the story goes. What does Jesus do? Doesn't condemn her. Doesn't jump on the bandwagon. Doesn't even necessarily save her. So it's riding in the dirt. Says a few things to the crowd and they all go away. And then it's, where did everybody go? They all left. Then go. I don't condemn you either. The one who had the right to do it. Go. He had the right to condemn her. Because what he asked for, he was. And he didn't. How many of us come across people that, yes, that brokenness is real. And they're full-fledged in it. And can we love them in it? And walk with them in it? Even though everything inside of us says run or get away. Can we be gentle and ask the questions that need to be asked, right? For instance, there's this homeless kid that's been living with my wife and I for the last month, month and a half. Mom's a crackhead. She, uh, he lived in our community. He was an athlete at one of our schools. She's like, I need to get out of here. So she moves him to Vegas. Dad doesn't want nothing to do with him either. So he's in Vegas, turns 18, he's like, I'm out of here. And he calls me, coach, I have nowhere to go, but I'm running away from my mom right now. I need somewhere to go. I said, man, just look, come over here. And this isn't to get no attaboy or to be a paddle. No, this isn't for that. This is just to show you exactly what this is looking like for us, though. Right? This is how this is being lived out by us. And he shows up at my door. 18 years old. Well, now he's 19 because he celebrated a birthday. And... I say, okay, here's a few things I need you to do, right? I need you to be moving forward. If you can move forward, there's grace here. As soon as you stop moving forward, we have issues. I said, okay. He said, okay. I said, so I need you to graduate high school. What do we do? He said, I must register for adult school. Great, let's go. You have until this day to get registered. Okay, what do you need to do now? I need to take my... Uh, my uh, Test to see so they can see where I'm at. Okay, great. When's that supposed to happen? You need to be done with it by then. What's the next thing? I gotta meet with my counselor. Okay, when's that? This is Monday. This is coming this Monday. This is when he's supposed to do this. And he has these issues of not always wanting to come home because he's not comfortable. Still filling me and my wife out. We're different. We're stable. He's not used to that. Right, I'm hearing his story, and he's like, Coach, I've never eaten at Applebee's. I'm like, bro, you're lying. Everybody's eating at Applebee's. He's like, I haven't. On a good day, I got Burger King. got to remember, Mom's a crackhead. So I make a few phone calls. Man, this kid just told me he ain't ever eaten Applebee's. He told me the truth. And the other parents were like, yeah, probably. Because we know him. I'm like, man. All right. Well, his 19th birthday, can I say, hey. 
when you get back from Vegas, we're going to go to Applebee's for your birthday. Would you like that? He's like, Coach, seriously? I go, yeah. He goes, ooh, I just got some goosebumps saying that. Seriously, Coach? I said, yeah. He said, all right. When my wife gets mad, there's some things that happen, and we there's some struggles that we have because there's, right, he's not comfortable, so he doesn't always want to be there, so they're like, like he's not working to get comfortable, and I have to remind people in my family that this is not normal for him still. Like, how do we extend that grace that we want extended to us? I don't know if you want grace given to you from people or from God. But if you do like I do, then there has to be this extension that goes forward out to others if I want it. can't desire something and just expect you to give it to me and not ever return it. I don't think we ever teach our kids that either. But do we fall victim to that with God? Hunger and thirst. Have any of us ever been hungry or thirsty? I'm not talking about missing a meal for a day. I'm talking about hunger. I'm talking about thirst. We in America got too many refrigerators around us. Too many faucets. Water fountains. Right? Here Jesus is saying those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Some say satisfied. Think about the people Jesus is talking to. No refrigerators. You buy your food daily. I had to walk miles to get from town to town. And if you didn't make any money, you had no money to buy food with. So hunger might have been a real thing. Hunger was a real thing. And so here's the hunger he's talking about. Like, this isn't a, a let me get let me become hungry and how do you say this? This is a desperation hunger here, and this is a going into hunger looking for righteousness. So think about that. Like I am emptying myself of everything. Desiring righteousness, the will of God, becoming more and more of hunger and thirst. Think about that. We're looking for the absence of pain and things to be alleviated and taken away from us. This is a going into a hunger and thirst. What does that look like for us? Like going into hunger? An intentional not eating or drinking? Yes. You want to talk about some of that? I'll tell you all about it. I've gone 21 days. 
fasted. Still never experienced that kind of hunger that Jesus is probably talking to here. Why? Because I'm fat. I fat on my body. My body has plenty of food on it. My mind will say I'm hungry because it's used to eating. It's a spoiled brat. But Jesus went 40 days. And is this where you say, well, that was Jesus. Hefty, my worship leader, went 40 days. Still alive, still ticking, still playing the guitar, still goes to work every day. It's possible. But there's this going into hunger for righteousness. What does righteousness even look like? You know, here's the one thing I always ask people. Do you want for others the same thing you want for yourself? Hefty taught me this lesson. It wasn't something that I just knew. Hefty moved from Ripon to Western Ranch. And he called me when he was moving. He called me one day and he was like, bro, I just got to share this with you because I struggle with this. I said, okay, what's up? He goes, I'm upset that nobody came to help me move. I go, bro, we got like 10 people in our church and I'm gone the weekend you decide to move. What do you want us to do? He goes, I'm not upset about that. I'm upset about we don't know what that looks like. I said, explain that to me. He goes, when I moved from Escalon to Ripon, the church that I was being a part of helped me move. They came to me, helped me load up my vehicles and move and unload. I said, okay. He goes, the school my kid went to here in Ripon was a healthy environment. Kids weren't getting in trouble. There wasn't fights all the time. There wasn't all kinds of chaos. and all. I mean, there's all kinds of chaos that happens at our schools. But there wasn't that kind of chaos that I have to worry about. Is my kid going to be okay on a daily basis? I said, okay. I still don't know what you're getting at. He's like, the people we serve don't know what that looks like. To have a healthy environment for their kids to go to school. To help somebody move who's coming to serve you. He goes, and I want to teach it. I went, that sounds like a backwards lesson to me. He goes, yeah, it is. Because I know what something looks like. I want to help others see that. To know what that looks like. To know what it looks like to have a community come around you. Right? This is why I talk about that whole brokenness piece, right? Like, can we come around one another, embrace and love and hug and hold and cherish and, and appreciate each other in your ugly, in my ugly? Because you desire righteousness so much for yourself that you want it for me too. Or is it just about me? And what I want. I go to church because I want to be in heaven one day. I don't go to church because Jesus has given me a mission to fulfill here on the earth. And he said, I want that for our community. I said, oh. 
Hunger and thirst is a state. So we have nature, emotion, attitude, and now a state. That's why I said these are not a menu. This is who we are as followers of Christ. These are all us. At least they should be. If my nature is off, so are the rest. But what does it look like to desire God's will for you too? What does it look like to desire good life for you? The way I desire it for myself. What does it look like? I mean, we know what it looks like. We want it for our kids. But can I want it for the stranger on the street who I don't know yet, who I'm going to come in contact with? Can I want it for my brother or sister who sits in the back of the church, who doesn't know anybody, who's been here for years? the will of God for them as much as I want it for myself. I, I, mean, I, I told you guys, man, these Beatitudes have been rocking my world the last few days, the last few weeks. Because when I hold up my mirror, I, I see shortness everywhere. I, I see the, 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 the inability to perform that perfectly, right? And this is why I say this isn't a, a human ser- sermon. These aren't human things. This is a God thing. Why? Because as I see the shortness, I have to fall on my knees before the throne of God and ask for His grace, His forgiveness, and His mercy for the shortness of what I experience in me. To be full of Him. Like this is asking God to take out, right? Remove from me the selfishness and 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 yeah, the selfishness, the pride. Like some of these sermons that we hear of Jesus said unto us, would we like Jesus, or would we be cool with it because it's Jesus? Like, how do I empty myself? Well, as I fall down on my face and I'm asking God, God, help me. I need you right now. I can't do this. And he doesn't expect us to. That's why poverty of spirit is the first one. Because there should be this constant falling down on my face, asking for him to help me. I need you. Nothing without you. And left to my own device, I do all kinds of havoc. Because brokenness is what I love. Those who hunger and thirst. So real quick, before I, I close this up, right? I talked about the book that I'm reading right now called Celebrations of Discipline. 
And it has like fasting, prayer, meditation, worship, right? These are disciplines that this guy says. And I found out that Calvin actually has their MDiv students read it. I was telling another pastor about it. He's like, oh, I read that in seminary. Well, it just fell into my lap a couple months ago. And the fasting section is why I started reading it because I fast. And what the fasting section said is when you start to remove crutches out of your world, you're going to see who you really are. If you really think about it, let me speak for myself. I eat to fill my feelings. I don't eat just because it's I'm supposed to eat. I've never experienced true hunger, even at 21 days fasted. It's no food. So I eat because I don't like what I'm feeling. And the book said, when you fast and you take those things, when you take things away like that, your true self reveals itself because you no longer have it. My kids always know when I'm fasting and they always know when it's day three. Why? Because my head starts to spin, start vomiting, projectile vomiting, right? I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie The Exorcist, but that's what the girl, little demon-possessed girl does. Like I, I become nasty. Why? Because now i got to feel what I'm feeling and I have nothing to hide and cope it with. My kids always say, please eat. You're nicer when you eat. Well, yeah, because I'm not dealing with me. Because I'm not asking God, God, I need you. I need you. Fill me. Why? Because I got this. I'm the professional. I'm the preacher. Got this. At least that's what everybody tells me I'm supposed to. Can we hunger and thirst? Can we take out to deal with us, to get to that righteousness, to be filled with God and His will for us and then for those around us? Can we? If you want to test it, ask people who don't know Jesus what they think about you. And how you act and how you treat people. Ask them, do they know that you serve Christ because of the way you live your life and act? Or do they know because you told them you do? The real problem begins if you don't have anybody who doesn't know Jesus in your life. Then we need to expand our circles. Because Christ didn't just save us for us. He didn't. That's why I said last week, we're terrible ambassadors of him. We are. I'm included. Terrible. Because this is an evangelistic faith. This is a faith where we're supposed to share who Jesus is with people. Supposed to. I love you guys, man, and I fall I fall victim to these things too. You're not alone. 
But if you got this, hey, come holler at me and disciple me in it because I struggle. Please. Because I want to be better in it. Hate looking in the mirror and seeing my flaw. Hate it. But know that Christ died for you. That there's hope. And that's what we live with as believers. That we don't have to be where we are. We don't have to stay stuck. That there's hope for us that we can be different too. Because His Spirit lives within us. There's hope. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for who and what you are and the things that you do and the ways that you work. And Oh man, the hunger and the thirst and the meekness, Lord, and poverty of spirit and, and mourning. There's, God, it's so challenging. And Father, I pray that as we uh, continually looking towards ourself to be able to handle or get through or do or even ignore, that you give us the ability to turn to you and ask for your strength and your courage and your mercy and your compassion and your love and your eyes and your hands and your ears and your mouth and, and everything so that we can be filled with you. I pray that you... You are the example of what we're supposed to be. And as things get revealed, Father, I pray that you help us to fill it with more of you. We love you, and we can't say it enough, and I know that there's things that we do that we struggle with. But you're so gracious with us that you still walk, that you haven't left and abandoned. You haven't kicked us to the curb. You still walk with us. And I pray that we acknowledge that. That you're not mean and spiteful and kick us to the curb, but gracious and loving. We thank you for all that you do. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.